Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 4 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Listener caution is advised, as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. Anne and Alex Gregg, who lived in Lewisham, South London, became parents to a baby girl, Ruth Ann, in August 1968. Ruth spent the first few months of her life seeing her mother and father through the clear plastic of an incubator, though she wouldn't be part of the couple's future. They were struggling. Anne was battling anorexia. Alex was physically disabled. And they were already parents to a young son, Mark who was born blind. Before her second birthday, Ruth had spent time in the care of social services, and when she was four years old, her parents relinquished their rights, and their children would be permanently placed in foster care. Ruth was at first sent to live with foster parents in Cambridge. She was moved frequently, with most placements in Wisbeach and March in Cambridgeshire. As a child... Ruth's continuous outbursts steadily turned violent until at 15 she was admitted to Salter's Assessment Centre close to Peterborough. While receiving treatment, there were further reports she had threatened another teenager with a knife and on another occasion staff had to wrestle a pair of scissors from her hands. Ruth then slowly directed her frustrations inward and began to self-harm. 
in one instance taking a knife to her thigh. Following therapy, when she was 16 years old, Ruth would meet the father of her first two children, 23-year-old Trevor Harvey. The couple remained together for seven years. They lived in the market town of March, Cambridgeshire, and in 1986 the pair became parents to daughter Rebecca, otherwise known as Becky, and two years later they had a son Ricky, who was born on March 4, 1988. But Trevor and Ruth's relationship wasn't to last, and the couple went their separate ways. Trevor Harvey would later say, When we were together she was okay. I wouldn't say normal exactly, but she certainly wasn't into drugs and didn't knock Ricky about. In 1991, Ruth met Dean Neve after being summoned to court for riding her bicycle at night with no lights on. Dean was at court facing more severe charges. The 28-year-old was a petty criminal and had a reputation in the area for using drugs. The pair had a one-night stand which resulted in pregnancy. They had a daughter, Rochelle. Dean and Ruth got married in November of that year while he was doing a stint in prison. Becky and Ricky's surnames were changed from their father's last name of Harvey to their stepfather's name of Neve. Two and a half years after her marriage to Dean, Ruth gave birth to a third daughter, Sheridan. Ruth's parents wouldn't meet their new grandchild, as in 1992, Anne and Alex Gregg had both taken their lives in a joint suicide pact. They had attempted it before when their children were taken into foster care. Ruth and Dean Neve lived on Red Mile Walk in the Welland Estate of Peterborough. Social services were highly involved with the family. The children were placed on the at-risk register and Ruth was vocal with authorities about not being able to cope. She even threatened that she might hurt her children. Ruth would get breaks every few weeks when Becky and Ricky's paternal grandfather, Maurice Harvey, would come to collect them and they would stay with him and his wife, Doris. At the time, Maurice kept contact with the children's mother to a bare minimum. The Neve family lived on benefits, so money was tight. Ruth began to abuse amphetamines, which meant a large percentage of the household income went towards funding her addiction. Maurice Harvey recalled that his grandchildren often disappeared off to the neighbours to see if they had any sweets, a detail he thought strange. In an interview, Becky Neve would later say, Me and Ricky used to go hand in hand at midnight to collect little parcels. We didn't know what they were. She made us do it. We were scared of her and she would threaten us with violence. If we didn't come back with anything, she would make us stand by the wall or lock us in our room and board the window up so we couldn't see out. Becky Neve was eventually taken into foster care. Ruth 
Ricky Neves, with a cheeky grin and short mousy brown hair, was described as a little lovable rogue by the neighbours. He loved riding his bicycle and anything to do with Star Wars. He was independent, fending for himself as much as any six-year-old could. Ricky was frequently seen on his own around the estate, playing truant from school. Eight-year-old Becky Neve was now in foster care, but she came back to the family home for visitation on November 27, 1994. She recalled an interaction in the garden with her younger brother. I wanted some little Barbie shoes, and he said, I will go and get them for you. I never got them. Becky would never see Ricky again. At 8.30am on November 28, 1994, Ruth's alarm went off and she shouted to Ricky to get himself some breakfast and get ready for school. He left the family home on Red Mile Walk and headed off to Welland Primary. Ruth would later say he was moody as hell that morning. By the afternoon, Ricky hadn't returned home. His mother Ruth became worried. She called in at the neighbours to see if he might be there, but he wasn't. At 6pm she reported the youngster as missing. A huge search was undertaken to find Ricky, largely focusing on the Welland estate and the surrounding area. It was discovered he had played truant that day and not attended school. With darkness severely hampering the efforts of the search party, it was decided to continue at first light, but some locals simply refused to return to their beds, continuing the search well into the early hours. It was hoped Ricky was hiding somewhere, too afraid to go home. Ricky's grandfather Maurice had headed straight to see Ruth as soon as he heard the news. The following morning he was standing in the kitchen when he saw two police officers walking up the path towards the front door. An officer looked at him and simply said, I'm afraid so. Maurice immediately knew from the officer's body language what that meant. At 12.05pm on November 29, 1994, approximately 20 yards inside a small clearing in a woodland off I Road and Willoughby Court, the naked body of Ricky Neve was discovered in the undergrowth just 500 yards from his home. Despite a thorough search, his clothing, grey trousers, a white shirt, black shoes and a blue coat were not found straight away. An officer had searched that same spot at 7pm the night before. Ricky's father Trevor and grandfather Maurice went to identify his body at Hitchingbrook Hospital in Huntingdon. Maurice was so grief-stricken he could not bring himself to do it, so a distraught Trevor Harvey confirmed his son's identity. 
shock rippled through the community. There are 2,500 people on the Welland estate in Peterborough. Detectives hunting for Ricky's killer believe that one of them may hold key information about the murderer. The police say that they're now reasonably certain that Ricky was alive at 6.30 Monday evening. He was seen here at these shops by other children at that time. But they puzzled that for the previous 10 hours they'd not received one positive sighting of the six-year-old. Sickening, isn't it? Really sickening. Well, I've never seen the estate so quiet in the day. I've walked through it two or three times today and it's really quiet. It's fear. Of my children don't even go into the kitchen on their own. They're frightened that it may, he may come, whoever he is or wherever she is, may come to the house. They're frightened to death. We just hope soon that something happens pretty quick. I mean, a lot of parents are scared to put the children out on the street and like coming to school. Hundreds of bouquets, letters and wreaths were left on the grass near Ricky's school and a memorial service was held for the six-year-old. Counsellors were brought in to help his fellow pupils come to terms with what had happened. As rumours circulated as to who was responsible, offensive graffiti was sprayed on Ruth Neve's fence, but it was swiftly removed by police. 100 officers made door-to-door inquiries to each of the 840 homes on the Welland estate. A marked police car positioned itself to stand watch over the Neve home. This morning, the search teams focused on Ricky's home. The dustbin in the front garden was emptied and checked, while other officers went throughout buildings in the rear garden. Ricky's mother is thought to be staying with friends on the estate. The area around the scene is still closed, as police try and determine whether or not the six-year-old was killed there or carried there later under cover of darkness. An initial post-mortem revealed that Ricky Neve's cause of death was compression to the neck. There was no indication that he had been sexually assaulted. The day after Ricky's body was discovered, police finally found the little boy's clothing in a dustbin about 150 yards away from where his body was located. We've identified now a number of of, of positive lines of inquiry which we're obviously pursuing. It was a considerable breakthrough to discover Ricky's clothes and that is being forensically tested and that process will still take some time yet. But that is a very important breakthrough for us. It was reported to police that Ricky Neve was seen with a group of five boys hanging around outside some shops on the Welland estate 18 hours before his body was found. The boys' ages were guessed to range from 6 to 11 years old. We built up quite a nice picture of Ricky's movements during the course of Monday. Uh, They they culminate uh, in the sighting outside the Scalford Drive shops between 6 and 6.30pm. After that, we don't have a great deal and the checks tonight, we hope... The witness who knew Ricky by name said they paused briefly to speak to him. He seemed at ease in their company. A number of people have come forward to to confirm that they believe Ricky was within that group. He seemed perfectly happy. And, of course, there's nothing sinister about a a child uh, associating with those of his own age. Um, But given that those boys or girls are yet to come forward, we are, of course, concerned that, that they haven't done so. And I can only stress that if they have nothing to hide, they have nothing to fear. On November 30th, Ricky Neve's biological father, Trevor Harvey, a 33-year-old pipe player, 
spoke at a press conference from Peterborough Police Station. He wept as he told the press, He was my son, and I loved him. I am just devastated. All of the life has gone out of me. He was the best boy in the world. Ricky's grandfather, Maurice Harvey, who was also at the press conference, gave an emotional plea for someone to come forward with information. Anybody who knew Ricky knew he was full of life and brought sunshine and happiness to everyone around him, and now he has been taken away. I cannot put into words our feelings for whoever did this. Anybody who saw Ricky that night with other children or anybody, would they please come forward and help the police? Detective Inspector George Collins speaking on behalf of Cambridgeshire Police said, There is no one particular direction in which our inquiry is going at present. We are keeping it entirely open and looking at every aspect, but it is fair to say that one element of the inquiry is the need to trace a group of young boys he was seen with on Monday morning. It is quite possible that someone knows who did this. The emphasis on finding the young group of boys Ricky was last seen with created a fear in the community that Ricky's murder might echo the death of James Bolger 18 months earlier. James was abducted from a shopping centre by two 10-year-old boys, Robert Thompson and John Venables, in February 1993. James, a month away from his third birthday, had been tortured and killed. His body was discovered two days later on a railway line. The case was widely reported and remains very much in the consciousness of the public to this day. Maybe the group of young boys seen with Ricky before his disappearance would not have raised as much suspicion if it had not been for James Bolger's murder. An awful possibility looms over the Welland estate. The fact that all known sightings of Ricky on the night he died were with other children and that he was not sexually assaulted before he was strangled have raised fears of another James Bulger case, that children killed Ricky. But Cambridgeshire Police stress tonight that is one possibility among several strands of inquiry. As the hunt to find Ricky Neve's killer or killers continued, on Friday, December 2nd, 1995, his stepfather Dean Neve was later arrested and detained under a warrant issued by Peterborough Magistrates Court. He had failed to attend court to face theft and burglary charges. A few days after Ricky's body was found, road checks around the Welland housing estate were put in place. Officers stopped cars and approached walkers with a photograph of Ricky, hoping it would jog someone's memory. The officers conducting this murder investigation remain mystified that four days after Ricky's body was discovered, not one of those children nor their parents has come forward to help. Tonight, as most nights, children were hanging around at the shops opposite Welland School. Police want to build up a picture of where Ricky went after he was seen here with other children about 6.30 on Monday evening. Obviously, people are nervous, but Welland is hardly a grim urban ghetto. It's not even considered the most deprived estate in Peterborough. But fences and gardens are being put up this week to try and curb a recognised crime problem here. In the end, Welland... By December 10th, Cambridgeshire Police requested advice from Superintendent Albert Kirby from the Merseyside Police. 
Kirby had worked on the James Bulger case, therefore had experience with the delicate and challenging nature of interviewing children if they were suspects. Regarding Cambridgeshire Police, Superintendent Kirby said, They want to know about how we handled the arrests, interviews and court proceedings for Venables and Thompson. It has to be handled very delicately where young children are involved. Cambridge police are planning in advance, and as ever Merseyside was only too glad to pass on its experiences. As detectives were piecing together Ricky's last known movements, it was believed that he left the shops with two teenage boys. That night, someone matching Ricky's description was seen outside the flats on Tilton Court, approximately half a mile northwest from where his body would later be found. Detectives are also appealing for a 12-year-old boy with a boxer dog to come forward. He's believed to have been with Ricky around 9.30 on Monday night. Half an hour later, two boys were seen pushing a buggy on Belvoir Way, heading in the direction of the woods where Ricky's body was found the next day. At approximately 6.30am on November 29th, two boys were observed walking out of the woods and a male jogger was also seen near the area around the same time. Six days before Christmas 1994, two teenagers from Peterborough aged 16 and 19 were arrested. This wasn't announced to the public until the next day for what was described as operational reasons, but by December 21st, they had been released without charge. Police continued to explore every possible lead. It was later reported by Ruth Neve's social worker that she was given a handwritten manuscript in the autumn of 1994. The book, entitled The Perfect Murder, featured a lead character called Richard who was isolated and felt shoved aside throughout his life. The character spoke of killing a woman following a bad night's sleep. A line from the book read, The most awful thing of all was that I never felt an ounce of guilt. The evil came out then. I had no remorse. I never felt so much power as when I committed this awful crime. The social worker hadn't considered the relevance of the book until Ricky was murdered. On January 19, 1995, it was reported that Ruth Neve, aged 26, had been arrested that morning. Two days later, police were granted another 36 hours to question her. Five days after her arrest, Ruth appeared in court. She had been charged with cruelty and neglect of her three children, Ricky, Becky and Rochelle, along with an additional charge of assaulting a policewoman. After leaving court, eggs were pelted at the van taking Ruth to Holloway Prison. She was remanded in custody for a week by the magistrate, then she was released on bail. Thursday, January 26, 1995. An inquest into Ricky Neve's death was held. 
Pathologist Dr Nathaniel Carey told the hearing that the cause of death was ligature strangulation. A few weeks later, a 34-year-old male was arrested in connection with the incident, but after questioning, he was released and would not face charges. On Valentine's Day, Ricky Neve's funeral was held nearly three months after his murder. The service at King's Lynn Crematorium in Norfolk was attended by 40 grieving mourners. A large decorative wreath in the shape of a bike accompanied the small coffin. Ricky's mother Ruth wept throughout the service and had to be accompanied by a security guard for her own safety. Ruth was still facing child cruelty charges. A few months later, on May 25th, Ruth Neve was arrested in London for the murder of her son. An application for bail was not submitted to Peterborough Magistrates Court during the 10-minute hearing. At the time, her daughter Becky was living with her paternal grandmother and grandfather and Ruth's two younger children had been put into foster care. An angry crowd waited outside for Ruth as she was driven away. In early 1996, Ruth Neve pleaded not guilty to the murder of her son, Ricky. A trial began in October of the following year at Northampton Crown Court. The case was presided over by High Court Judge Justice Andrew Popplewell. It was alleged the boy was killed in a black magic sacrifice by his mother, inspired by the book she had written. James Hunt QC prosecuting told the trial it was possible that after his death, Ricky may have been laid out in some form of sacrificial manner. A neighbour on the Welland estate, Amanda Eaton, also addressed the court. She stated, Ruth told me she was a high priestess of the occult. She was into black magic. Ruth Neve admitted to using tarot cards and a Ouija board, though denied being involved in black magic or rituals linked to it. Comparisons were drawn between the spread-eagled position Ricky's body was found in and a picture in a book that had been discovered in Ruth's home, Magic by Alistair Crowley. The famous artwork by Leonardo da Vinci, called Vitruvian Man, features a male positioned with his limbs outstretched like a star. The same man is imposed over the top in a slightly different stance, his legs more close together, giving the appearance of a man with eight limbs. In a black suitcase, police discovered a magazine called The Unexplained Mysteries of Mind, Space and Time, which also featured the drawing. Describing the position Ricky Neve was left in, pathologist Nathaniel Carey explained to the court that the six-year-old's body was laid out so symmetrically that if a mirror ran vertically, you would have seen the same pattern on either side. His clothes had been twisted and pulled to strangle him. The zip on his top acted like a ligature. The belief was that he was allegedly taken to the location, but murdered somewhere else. Ruth Neve had theorised in an interview with police that a woman was involved in the murder of her son. 
This was because of a dream she had in which a man kept telling her, a woman is involved, a woman is involved. Ruth also told police that a woman could have pushed Ricky's body to the woods in a pushchair because people wouldn't think twice about a woman pushing a child. The court also heard that Ruth Neve made her son collect drugs on the estate where the family lived. She told Ricky the powdered amphetamines he collected was sherbet. It was suggested by the prosecution that Ruth was obsessed with her husband Dean and because he and Ricky didn't get on, the six-year-old was a bone of contention in their marriage. An extract from a letter Ruth had written to Dean while he was in prison read, I've burnt him with a match. I've punched his little face in. I just want to kill him, but I cannot. A witness said that when Ricky was four years old, she saw Ruth dangle him by his legs over the side of a 15-foot bridge. The court heard from another witness, Shelley Dixon, who was distressed when she recalled an incident where Ruth washed Ricky's mouth out with washing-up liquid for calling her a slag. Amid the discomfort, the six-year-old said, I love you, mummy. Other disturbing accounts of the treatment of the Neve children included Ricky having the word idiot written on his head in green felt-tip pen by his mother. She warned him not to wash it off. Witnesses spoke of Ruth kicking the six-year-old like a football and holding up one of her daughters by the throat. One of the girls was burnt on the back of the hand by their mother when they were caught playing with matches. As another form of punishment, Ruth Neve allegedly made one of her daughters stand naked at a window while calling for attention. The children were sometimes left outside in only pyjamas, crying until someone from social services arrived. Jurors were told Ruth Neve had asked for Ricky to be taken into the care of social services several times, as early as 1993. Neve's social worker, Bryony Smith, told the court the same month Ricky was killed, Ruth had expressed that she couldn't cope. The witness said, Ruth was saying that Ricky's behaviour was very hard to cope with. She said that if someone didn't help her with him, she would kill him. Under cross-examination by Defence Counsel Nigel Rumfit QC, the social worker agreed that if she had taken the threats Ruth made to Ricky seriously, she would have taken measures to put him in care. Counsel for the defence said it was possible a sex attacker who had not yet been found could well have been responsible for Ricky's death. Nigel Rumfit QC also informed the jury about an incident that happened less than six months before Ricky passed away. An 11-year-old boy had been tied up and stripped by a group of five youths from the Welland estate. However, this had not been thoroughly investigated by police at the time. On October 30th, 1995... After almost a full month in court, the charges were as follows. Count 1. Murder. Not guilty. As the unanimous verdict was read aloud, 
Ruth Neve wept and pleaded, Please help find my son's killer. Count two. Cruelty to daughter Rebecca between May 18th, 1986 and July 10th, 1992. Pleaded guilty. Count three. Cruelty to Ricky between March 4th, 1986 and July 10th, 1992. Pleaded guilty. Count four. Cruelty to daughter Rebecca between July 10th, 1992 and February 14th, 1994. Pleaded guilty. Count five. Cruelty to Ricky between July 10th, 1992 and November 29th, 1994. Pleaded guilty. Count six. Cruelty to another child between July 10th, 1992 and November 29th, 1994. Pleaded guilty. Count seven. Concerned in supplying a Class B drug, amphetamine sulphate, between July 1992 and November 1994. Pleaded guilty. Separate indictment. One count of burglary. Pleaded guilty. Ruth Neve was sentenced to seven years in prison. The judge, Justice Andrew Popplewell, said he'd rarely come across a case of such persistent and systematic cruelty to young children. No forensic evidence tied Ruth Neve to the murder of her son. Maurice Harvey, Rebecca and Ricky's paternal grandfather, was interviewed regarding the abuse the children endured at the hands of their mother. If I'd known what was going on, I would have dragged those children out, he said. He wanted a formal inquiry into the actions of social services. They discovered taking it to court would cost money, and the retired taxi driver simply didn't have the funds. An investigation would eventually take place to understand why the children remained in Ruth's care and social services responded to journalist Neil Franklin for the Peterborough Telegraph. Sheila Smith, Assistant Director of Children's Social Services at Peterborough City Council said, The Social Cities Inspectorate report and the investigation by the Bridge Childcare Development Service were as stringent as any public inquiry. Chief Executive of Cambridgeshire County Council Gillian Beasley commented, We have been under constant scrutiny for years, which is more thorough than any public inquiry would be, but it was a significant loss for Mr Harvey's family, and you can understand the hurt they feel. As a result of the investigation, three members of staff were suspended. Ted Unsworth, Director of Social Services, spoke to the press in 1997. Uh, we pursued for too long a programme of care designed to keep the family together. Uh, we, the people working with Ruth Neal at key times uh, believed that she was capable of being a better mother than in fact she turned out to be. Maurice Harvey received a copy of the investigation's findings in the post, but felt it wasn't enough. He still wanted a public inquiry. This is just one big whitewash cover-up and we're not going to let it drop. We're not satisfied with the report and we're going to keep pushing for a public inquiry. 
A senior member of staff at Croydon Social Services spoke about the challenges facing his profession at the time. Uh, We are required to do all we can to make sure families receive enough support to maintain the family unit uh, and to provide sufficient care for children to grow up as healthy adults. Uh, Clearly, also said against that is the need to balance the risks they might be subject to, and in this case we didn't get that balance right. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. After his wife was found guilty of child cruelty charges, Dean Neve was also in court facing bigamy and drugs charges, along with breaching his bail. He married a woman called Marie Carter in October 1994, while he was still married to Ruth, and also admitted to selling amphetamines on the Welland estate. Dean Neve was jailed for 18 months for bigamy, 15 months for drug offences and 3 months for breaching his bail. His sentences would run consecutively. Following his release, in October 1999, Dean Neve injected himself with amphetamine sulphate and got into the driver's seat of his Ford Orion, with his girlfriend Amanda Dunn sat next to him. 
as they travelled along Common Drive in Crowland Common, a country road in Peterborough, Dean put his foot down and drove faster and faster despite Amanda's pleas. The car finally veered off the road and into the icy water of a nearby dike. In the dark, Amanda freed herself before trying to save Dean, who at first struggled, then became unresponsive. Amanda Dunn escaped out of the window, but Dean Neve was declared dead at the scene. A verdict of accidental death was recorded by coroner Maureen Taylor. Ruth Neve was freed from prison in 2000. Fourteen years later in November, Ruth held a press conference at the Oliver Cromwell Hotel and appealed for information that might help catch her son's killer. Ruth and her new husband, Gary Rogers, had compiled a dossier in which they claimed to have evidence that Ricky was killed by a sex gang. This was passed to the Cambridgeshire Police. Protesters gathered outside the hotel with one of them, Stephen Fox, stating, As a single dad bringing up two boys who suffered abuse from their mother, I don't think it's appropriate that she's doing this here. The local community still feels very strongly about what she did, and feelings still run deep. In the press conference, Ruth showed police efits of the boys she believed were responsible for her son's death. Ruth was claiming that she was forced to plead guilty to the child cruelty and neglect charges so the prosecution could not say she killed Ricky through neglect. Rochelle Neve, Ruth's third child, who was three at the time of her brother's murder, told the press association, Although I was only young, I can still remember the abuse. I can remember her dragging my sister up the stairs by her hair, and there was never any food in the house. She spent all her money on drugs. I don't know why she's dragging this up 20 years later. She should let it lie. She may have been cleared of murder, but she was convicted of cruelty and I don't think the police will find anybody else responsible for his death. Ruth Neve claimed her three daughters, who at first had been fostered, then subsequently adopted, had been brainwashed against her. She said, If they want to talk to me, they know where I am. I will prove that I should never have been accused of cruelty. I loved Ricky. He was a wonderful child. For the last 20 years I have been going through living hell from the public opinion of me caused by all the lies. I wasn't a perfect mother, but I never hurt my children and I should have never have admitted to those offences. All I want now is justice for his killers to be caught. I know people out there think I'm a murderer, but I'm determined to prove that someone else did this to my boy. In March 2015, the Cambridgeshire, Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire police forces reopened the Ricky Neve case again looking at the details of the investigation with fresh eyes. 
In June, a mobile police station was positioned on the Welland estate, not far from where Ricky Neve's body was found, as there was hope some more witnesses would come forward. Detective Superintendent Paul Fullwood, heading the inquiry, spoke with the press and said, All murder is tragic, but when a young child is involved, it is truly devastating. We owe it to Ricky and his family to find whoever was responsible for his murder and ensure they are brought to justice. The cold case had been subject to a detailed review and new forensic and DNA techniques together with laser imaging would be used to reignite the investigation. It was now also believed that Ricky was wearing a red jumper when he left his home. Detective Superintendent Fullwood went on to say, I strongly believe there are people out there who have significant information about Ricky's death and for a valid reason didn't speak to police at the time. Now is their opportunity to do the right thing and share that secret they have had to keep for more than 20 years. It may be that you were a child at the time and didn't wish to speak up, but now as an adult and perhaps as a parent yourself, you may feel now is the right time to speak up. Later that month, the case was featured on Crime Watch. A virtual 3D image of the woods near Peterborough's Welland Estate was created to pinpoint Ricky's last known movements, and the programme included a reconstruction. Police showed pencil-sketched efits of the two teenage boys seen leaving the woods in the morning on the day Ricky was found. The pair would now be in their 30s. One sketch had a larger round face with full lips, short hair and eyes that appeared to be slightly closer together. The second had a prominent chin, longer face and popular haircut at the time, a French crop. They were believed to be living in the local area at the time of Ricky's murder. As the investigation continued, in an attempt to raise further awareness regarding her son's murder, Ruth Neve appeared in an interview for ITV's Real Stories. The topic of conversation quickly turned to how she punished her children. She admitted to putting washing up liquid in Ricky's mouth after he was caught swearing. Ruth justified the punishment and said, When I was a lot younger, I had soap in my mouth. A tiny bit of fairy liquid doesn't harm anybody. No, I don't think a little bit of fairy liquid is cruel. Asked if she hit her son, she responded, I smacked Ricky, yes. Not very hard. Slapped him around the legs, the hands and his bottom. She added, I've done my time, whatever I did, and I don't want sympathy from people. I just want people to know that all I'm out for is to get justice for my son. I certainly ain't going to admit stuff that I haven't done. I really ain't. Ruth went on to say, I want justice for Ricky and after they found the murderers to live my life in peace and just be forgotten about. I've had to live with this for 20 years. Went to court, got found not guilty and I'm still being called a child murderer. A £10,000 reward was offered by Crime Stoppers for information that led to an arrest and conviction of Ricky Neve's killer. 
Detective Superintendent Paul Fullwood, head of the Bedfordshire, Cambridgeshire and Hertfordshire Major Crime Unit, revealed that with the reignited investigation, Ruth Neve was now being treated strictly as the mother of the victim, not a suspect, and black magic was not considered a motive. Ruth Neve was interviewed. I don't think this is a time for celebration. I just think it's a positive step in the right direction. And basically, I just want the persons be done for Ricky's murder. More information was also divulged. In the winter of 1994, the body of Ricky Neve was discovered in this woodland, just a few hundred metres from his home here in Peterborough. He was naked and had been strangled. It's since emerged that there were other worrying incidents in the area at the time, including children apparently being left tied up in the woods. The first of these instances of children being bound was mentioned in court during Ruth Neve's trial. A second disturbing event was said to have happened at 8pm on June 9th, 1994. Ricky Neve was murdered in November that same year. Another child was taken to a police station by his mother after he came home distraught and told her what happened. In a detailed police statement, the young boy bravely recounted the series of events to officers. He told police he was sitting close to a lamppost on some grass chatting with a friend in the Welland estate, close to where Ricky Neve's body was found. He was teased by some other young boys before they grabbed him. Part of the statement reads, They pulled my arms and legs, grabbed hold of my pants, pulled them, and then I was hanging, and they ripped them. They kept getting my legs and wouldn't let me go. In the statement, the other children's names were redacted. However, their identities were known to police. The boy told officers how he was sexually assaulted before he was searched and then tied to a tree while a rope was placed around his neck. The statement continued. They tied me to this tree with a weak rope, and then I just snapped it and went to run but was blocked. But there was still a big piece of the weak string, and he tied it around my neck as well, and said if you move or you break it, I'll pull the rope. But I didn't break it. I just stood there, and then... went and got some kind of wire cut it with his penknife, and then he brought it back, and then tied it around me, and then still had hold of the rope, and then a few minutes later untied it, but when he was untying the wire, right, it was strangling me, but I got out of that, and that's when they let me go. Five months after Crime Watch aired, there appeared to be some progress on the case. A 35-year-old father of one, James Watson, was arrested on April 19, 2016, almost 22 years after Ricky's murder. The suspect would have been a teenager at the time. An officer visited Ricky's mother in the early morning to inform her of the arrest. Ruth's husband, Gary Rogers, said, We always hoped this day would come. We are speechless and numb, but it's a good day. 
we understand what a big big step it is for the police to do what they've done today. It's a bit like when they actually reopened the murder investigation and told us that. We're just still a bit numb and shocked. It's, it's just come completely out of the blue. Gary Rogers spoke about his relief that someone had finally been arrested. This is getting through something that I promised her when we first met and she told me about the whole thing. And I promised her then, if I couldn't do anything else, I'd give her one thing that nobody else has ever given her. And that's justice for her and Ricky. And today has made that, that promise come just a little bit closer. The suspect, James Watson, was released on bail to a hostel in Northamptonshire, but fled to Portugal in July 2016. Hiding in the back of a motorhome which a friend was driving, Watson left at Dover, crossing the Channel to France by ferry. A police spokesperson said, We have reason to believe that the 35-year-old man from Peterborough who was arrested in connection with the historic murder of six-year-old Ricky Neve left the country while on police bail. We have been in communication with him and are working with him and partner agencies in order for him to return to the UK promptly. It became an embarrassment for police when pictures of Watson, in the sun, on the beach and drinking appeared in the national press. James Watson was finally apprehended under a European arrest warrant in Lisbon on suspicion of breaching his licence in early August. He was to remain in the custody of Portuguese police until an extradition order could be put in place. Cambridgeshire police stated he was not fighting extradition. They refused to comment on whether James Watson was one of the two boys in the EFITs they released in connection with Ricky Neve's murder. Later that month, Cambridgeshire police flew to Lisbon Airport to bring Watson back to the UK. He had been on a lifetime licence and spent six years in prison for burning down a British transport police office in Peterborough. Watson was held in police custody from August 2016 to late October 2017 for breaching his licence. He was then released on bail. A statement from Cambridgeshire Police indicated that they were waiting on a decision from the Crown Prosecution Service. They were studying all the information gathered to decide whether there was enough evidence to prosecute James Watson. A spokesperson said, The CPS continue to review all materials gathered by police. The 36-year-old man arrested in connection with the offence no longer remains on police bail at this time. The case was passed to the Treasury Council, a specialist department that handles the most serious and complex cases. It is separate from the Crown Prosecution Service, although they can be instructed by them. By August 2017, Ruth Neve and her husband Gary Rogers were expressing their frustration at the time it was taking to come to a decision. Ruth Neve said, The Treasury Council have had this case for months and it's deadline after deadline. 
I'm getting things told to me that don't make sense. Things that should have been done earlier, for instance. Such as the forensics report. I honestly don't know anymore what's going on. I know this is a complex case, okay? But treating me like an idiot and just saying stuff to keep me at bay has not helped. So where are we now? On June 21st, 2018, the verdict came in from the CPS. After reviewing the case, they found there was insufficient evidence to prosecute James Watson. Paul Scuthern of the Crown Prosecution Service stated, Once the police have carried out an investigation, a file of evidence may be submitted to the CPS. This file is then reviewed in line with the Code for Crown Prosecutors, which outlines the standards that prosecutors must follow when they make decisions about whether charges can be brought. In order to begin a prosecution, we have to be satisfied there is sufficient evidence for a realistic prospect of conviction and that it is in the public interest to prosecute. We considered a range of evidence obtained by police from the time of Ricky's disappearance to the recent reinvestigation. We have decided that the evidence is insufficient for a realistic prospect of conviction and therefore for charge. The deliberate killing of a child is shocking and tragic, but we cannot bring charges if there is not enough evidence to take to court. Ricky's family have been informed of our decision and given a full explanation. We have also offered to meet with them. Gary Rogers gave a statement on behalf of his wife Ruth. Both Rue and I are very grateful for all the hard work the police have put in and they have left no stone unturned. We know they have worked very hard and we thank them all. Paul Fullwood, who had since been promoted to Assistant Chief Constable, provided an update on the investigation. Although at this stage we have no further active lines of inquiry, we remain committed to finding Ricky's killer. If you have any information on the death of Ricky Neve, you can contact Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800-555-111 or visit their website crimestoppers-uk.org. Thank you for listening and special thanks to our Patreon supporters.
For more information, please visit theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.